Hi, Jeremy Stillhorn. I'm tuned into the American Variety Network, where I find the shows very educational and entertaining. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the In Your Face talk show here on American Variety Network. I am your host, the cuckoo, crazy Italian-American, a.k.a. C.I.A. Alex Cardinelli, and welcome to the second episode of American Tragedies. You know, last Monday, we discussed the Station Nightclub Fire tragedy, and it actually was a successful show. So you know what? I am going to take the ball, and I am going to run with the idea of tragedy shows. I love the tragedy series. So each and every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to learn about a different tragedy. So I am very excited to teach you about the history of some of the worst tragedies to ever hit America. And my goal is that you walk away from each of the tragedy shows learning a lot about the particular tragedy and hopefully you will be prepared and know what to do in case a future tragedy happens. So tonight, for the first time ever, I'm going to be talking about a natural disaster that hit America 10 years ago. And this was the deadliest hurricane since 1928. Now, obviously, I am talking about Hurricane Katrina, which started on August 23rd, 2005, exactly 10 years and two months to today's date. Now, We all know that Hurricane Katrina was a devastating tragedy that will never, ever be forgotten. We are always going to remember Hurricane Katrina because it was the costliest natural disaster causing severe damage to the United States and ruining lives and ending lives as well. Now, for me, it goes without saying that this one, this hurricane, is one of the fifth deadliest hurricanes ever. Now, what I'm about to say is very sad, but Hurricane Katrina took the lives of 1,833 people. Holy shit! 1,833 people lost their lives to this hurricane. Wow, almost 2,000 people have died. And to this day, there are still hundreds more missing. Ten years later, a full decade later, there are still people missing from Hurricane Katrina. Add to the fact the hundreds of thousands of people were left stranded and homeless after their homes were destroyed. So the question is, are you ready to learn some more 
about this awful Hurricane Katrina tragedy. Well, don't go anywhere, because up next, I'm going to discuss Hurricane Katrina. are tuned in live to the American Variety Network here, live on Block Talk Radio. With a name like American Variety, you can expect a wide variety of topics. Now, let's get live here on the AV Network. Are you ready for a talk show that is brave enough to talk about anything and everything, even if it's controversial? Are you ready for a talk show where anything goes and we will say anything that we want? Well, then you're listening to the right talk show. You are tuned in to In Your Face Talk Show. With your host, the crazy Italian-American AC. You can expect to hear the unexpected. Laugh at what is said, or you may scream. Either case, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's get in your face with this great talk show. Well, I'm ready to talk about Hurricane Katrina, and I know you, my listeners, are 
ready to learn about Hurricane Katrina. So, let's start the show with some information on this god-awful tragedy, Hurricane Katrina. Now, get this, folks. Hurricane Katrina, seven days. Now, Hurricane Katrina went throughout the United States, and the worst path of the hurricane was New Orleans and Mississippi. All right, both New Orleans and Mississippi suffered the most damage from Hurricane Katrina. And a little bit later on in the show, we're going to find out exactly why New Orleans most of the damage from Hurricane Katrina. You know that I, Alice Cardinelli, was 12 years old at the time of the hurricane. Now, I remember very much I had to fight with my grandparents and parents because they wanted to watch the, the morning news. And since I was 12 years old, living in America, like most 12 years old would like to do in America, I wanted to watch cartoons and Sports Center. But obviously, I lost, and I had to watch the morning news with my grandparents and parents. But, you know, to this day, I'm actually very glad I watched the news because I saw firsthand the damage Hurricane Katrina brought. It was very frightening. It was very sad. It was a very tragic moment to see as an American citizen. I don't care how young or how old you were in August of 2005. When your country gets hit by a natural disaster like Hurricane Katrina, it's going to sadden you and it's going to bring tears to your face. Now, my grandparents and I, and my parents as well, we lived right here in Springfield, Mass., and New England, and we were far from the actual tragedy. We were not even close to New Orleans or wherever Hurricane Katrina hit, and we were crying for all the victims and the actual tragedy itself. So that goes to show you that this tragedy hit everyone in the United States of America very hard. It was a very sad thing to see, even at 12 years old. And my grandparents, they are actually in their 60s and 70s currently, but back then, they said it was probably the worst hurricane they've ever experienced was Hurricane Katrina. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners out there will have similar experiences. Now, the hurricane began on August 23, 2005, when it started off forming in the Bahamas. Now, at this point, on August 23rd, meteorologists warned everyone from the Gulf Coast states that a major storm was heading their way. So on August 23rd, everybody in the United States of America was alerted about the upcoming storm. So, if you were smart, and you knew that a storm was coming your way, you would have left the state, or sought higher shelter, which we're going to talk about later on in the show. So, I have to give kudos to all the meteorologists out there for warning everyone ahead of the storm. 
Now, on August 24th, one day later, Florida declared a state of emergency, shutting down most government-run offices, and most businesses had to close. Now, obviously, this was to prepare for the incoming hurricane. Now, people living in mobile homes or those with special needs were asked to evacuate Florida and move somewhere that is not in the path of the hurricane. And obviously, this was for safety reasons. All right. And actually, Florida was the very first state to declare a state of emergency for the impending Hurricane Katrina. Now, on August 28th, Alabama Governor Bob Riley also declared a state of emergency. By August 30th, 350 National Guard members were sent to Alabama to help out. All right? But meanwhile, in New Orleans and in Louisiana, they had prepared for the worst as local news had told their citizens to prepare for a massive storm and take shelter. Now, in New Orleans, they were actually treating this as the hurricane they always feared, which turned out to be the case. But on August 28th, when Hurricane Katrina was labeled as a Category 5 storm, New Orleans mayor issued and ordered a mandatory evacuation of the city. For the very first time in United States history, that is the first time I can recall a mayor telling everybody to leave his city. Not because he wants to control the city, but because of a major storm that could have killed a lot of people, which it did. And for those who could not leave the state, the massive Louisiana Superdome and other places was used for citizens who could not leave New Orleans, and they were provided with food and other necessities. So that was some good information to kick us off about Hurricane Katrina. Now, I want to talk to you all about the damage that Hurricane Katrina caused. A lot of the damage was sustained in New Orleans. We all think of New Orleans as Mardi Gras, as partying, as girls and ladies showing their tits, but New Orleans suffered great tragedy in August of 2005. And they had more damage because water poured through the city because their leaves were not working correctly. And we're going to talk about that. So let's talk about the damage that Hurricane Katrina caused New Orleans. First and foremost, Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans on August 29, 2005. Now, fortunately, 80 to 90% of the citizens of New Orleans left due to the early warnings and the mayor's evacuation orders. But many people still were trapped and had to all rush into the Louisiana Superdome 
and already the Louisiana Superdome was packed with over 2,000 people. Now, right now, I want you to listen very closely. This is why New Orleans suffered significant damage from Hurricane Katrina. Most of it was not from the hurricane itself, but it was from malfunction from flood walls and leaves. Now, flood walls and leaves busted, and this caused 80% of the city to flood. Many of the victims who passed away were found floating in the flooded area. Now, later studies determined that most of New Orleans Katrina dead were elderly people living near leaf breaches in a nice ward and lake view. Very, very sad. Now, quickly after the leaves broke, New Orleans became flooded. The extent of flooding stranded many residents who remained stranded long after Hurricane Katrina had passed. Very sad. Can you imagine that, living in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and then the leaves break, causing almost up to 12 feet of water, taking away your home, and your home will actually go um, moving along the floodwaters, and you have to crawl to the top of your roof, and you're not sure if you're going to fall off and drown. Very, very sad, and I really am glad that I did not live in New Orleans at the time. So, people had to get to the tops of their roofs to avoid the flood and live, and some remained stranded there until after Hurricane Katrina. Here's where I'm going to kind of go off topic to try and make me feel a little bit better about this tragedy and really, it's not a good thing, because even though it is one of my favorite hobbies, it really is sad. Personally, perhaps one of the most saddest things to me is that Six Flags New Orleans was totally destroyed and ruined as a result of Hurricane Katrina. Most of the rides sustained heavy damage from the floods. Jester and some of the other popular rides suffered serious damage. Six Flags New Orleans was just starting to get popular, and it was getting so popular that they were getting ready to announce a brand new water park was going to be added to the theme park in the 2006 season. Unfortunately, Six Flags deemed a park to have too much damage and it was not savable. So they signed out of their 75 year lease and gave the park to the city of New Orleans. Because of the damage of the park from being stuck in flood water for three weeks, most of the rides in the buildings deteriorated. Only a couple rides were savable and they were taken by Six Flags to be moved to other Six Flags parks all over the United States of America and Canada. Today, 10 years later, nobody remembers Six Flags New Orleans 
and the park is filled with rotten debris, broken pieces of rides, and the city has done nothing to fix it or create a brand new park. Sad. Very, very sad. Six Flags New Orleans actually was looking to become one of the best parks in the United States of America, but Hurricane Katrina destroyed that. And it was so sad, and I really want to learn more about Six Flags New Orleans and the history of it, and Jazzland and all that stuff. I am going to do a show on this abandoned park and explain more in detail with you. So stay tuned for that to learn more about Six Flags New Orleans. Now let's get back to Hurricane Katrina and the damage it caused to New Orleans. Most of the major roads traveling into New Orleans or out of New Orleans were heavily damaged. You could not enter nor leave New Orleans, so you were stranded no matter where you were. Can you imagine how fearful you would have been if you were a citizen stranded in a hurricane with 12 feet of water taking your car, taking your house, and breaking your house, and you could not leave? Man, I feel bad for everyone that was stranded in Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Now, here's the sad thing. The New Orleans death toll from Hurricane Katrina happens to be 1,464 people, according to the Louisiana Department of Health. Now, after the hurricane, many more bodies were recovered, and they were found floating in the floodwaters, unfortunately. Now, imagine this. Imagine being in the hurricane and surviving and then walking the streets and seeing people lying dead and some even floating in the floodwaters. Man, God bless all those people that saw that. Very tragic scene. I would not be able to live with myself after seeing that. I would feel very terrible on the inside, and I feel very sad and terrible talking about it here on the radio. All right? Now, obviously, some survivors and evacuees reported seeing bodies lying in city streets and floating in still flooded sections, especially in the east of the city. Very, very, very sad. And my heart goes out to all the victims that passed away in Hurricane Katrina. Alright, now let's talk about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Now, I don't understand why in a huge tragedy there is reports of criminal activity. Maybe it's a way to... Uh, control the mind, or um, what would be a better word to describe it? To make one feel better, I guess? But the aftermath of First Katrina, there was rumored reports of looting, violence, shooting against rescuers, murder, and rape. Now, many of these have proven to be false, but some, including looting, and violence have proven to be true. 
Well, looting could be understandable. If you're one of these people who have been hungry for three or four days and you break into a store and steal food, then I don't think that you should be charged with criminal activity because you need to eat to live. All right? And we'll talk about that in a minute here. Now, Walmart has been robbed from the Hurricane Katrina. The Walmart in New Orleans was robbed. People broke in there to steal necessities such as food, clothing, and things of that nature. I don't think they were ever charged with criminal act. I think that uh, the officers just let it go. But and towards the end of the hurricane, they actually would stand by Walmart and not let, pe- not let people enter. I don't know. I don't know what exactly happened there, so I could be lying about that, but I'm not sure. Now, looting was indeed widespread, and there was many reported instances of looting, but many of the people who were accused of looting were survivors scavenging necessary supplies, such as food, water, clothing, and shelter. Get this, folks. Some instances of looting were later found out to have been carried out by a small number of of New Orleans Police Department officers. So, take it for what you will. Alright, here's the next thing about New Orleans Hurricane Katrina. Health issues were to be expected and reported. Some of the diseases most people who survived could have gotten from the hurricane include dehydration, food poisoning, hepatitis A, cholera, tuberculosis, and typhoid fever, all related to the growing contamination of food and drinking water supplies in the city compounded by the city's characteristic heat and stifling humidity. Now, it is of my opinion, if the leaves and stuff that prevented the water from flooding had not broken or malfunctioned, New Orleans would have not had as much damage from Hurricane Katrina, and New Orleans Six Flags would still be open, and it would be fine. All right, I really don't understand how those leaves broke and what caused it, but it really is very, very, very sad. All right. And we're going to learn later on in the show some more about New Orleans as we hear from some of the as we hear from some of the survivors from New Orleans, and we're going to hear a little bit of a documentary from New Orleans later on in the show. Now, I want to talk about Florida. Florida was lucky; it didn't have that much damage from Hurricane Katrina. It had heavy rains from the hurricane. A tornado destroyed some homes and some businesses. Four more tornadoes had hit Florida. And unfortunately, 12 people passed away in Florida. Some people passed away from falling trees. Some people were hit and killed by debris. And others died from non-stories. So Florida got away lucky. All right. Now, Mississippi, the second most deadliest place hit by Hurricane Katrina. 
Now, Mississippi actually had 238 people dead, 67 people missing, billions of dollars in damage. Now, get this. Cars, boats, houses, and bridges were all washed ashore and would eventually become flooded. So can you imagine that if you lived in Mississippi and your car or your boat or your house all washed ashore? Very sad. And bridges also. You couldn't drive anywhere because of the hurricane. Now, if you are a gambler like me and you like going to casinos, this is going to sadden you. Half of the 13 casinos were also washed ashore and washed away in the state of Missouri. So that was very, very sad. Now, the whole state of Missouri, with 82 counties, was determined to be a total disaster. So that, so a lot of Missouri was ruined from Hurricane Katrina. And over 9,000 people experienced no power for a good week to two weeks. So can you imagine living in a hurricane with no power for a good week to, at most, two weeks? Very, very, very scary, isn't it? It's scary to even think about. So basically, Hurricane Katrina did the most damage in New Orleans, Florida, and Mississippi. Hurricane Katrina would move across other United States and America states, but it did not bring much damage because it, it grew smaller. And as it grew smaller, smaller, smaller tornadoes and just heavy rain formed. Now, I remember when Hurricane Katrina hit here in New England, in Western Mass and Rhode Island, Vermont and New York and stuff, all we had was heavy rain and wind. We did not get we didn't get any heavy damage or anything. So as it moved north, east, and and stuff, it it grew smaller and did not bring much damage with it. Thank God. And finally, Hurricane Katrina finally ends August thirty first, two thousand and five, but only after killing. Over 1,000 people and leaving many homeless and saddening many people. A very, very bad natural disaster. Words cannot describe how tragic this event really was. And I really don't think I did that good of a job describing New Orleans and how bad it was devastated from Hurricane Katrina. So right now on the show, I want to play a clip from a documentary describing how bad New Orleans got hit from Hurricane Katrina, and then we're going to hear from some, we're going to hear from some Hurricane Katrina survivors who are going to tell their story as a survivor from Hurricane Katrina in a couple minutes right after this. Hurricane Katrina was the third strongest hurricane to make landfall on America in 100 years. It hit Louisiana on the 28th of August 2005 with the power of a nuclear explosion. With 125 mile per hour winds, she caused widespread devastation. 
80% of New Orleans is several feet below sea level. It's surrounded by water on all sides. Hurricanes bring rising sea levels, making the city extremely vulnerable to flooding. The city's sole protection is a series of flood barriers known as levees. Aware that the hurricane was closing in on New Orleans, a state of emergency was declared and all residents asked to leave the city. But many had no means to get out. They were directed to the makeshift relief centre in the Superdome football stadium. Here they spent the night sheltering from the storm. On the morning of Monday, August the 29th, the city seemed to have survived the worst of the storm. But then, unexpectedly, several sections of the levees holding back the water from the city of New Orleans gave way and water poured in. Soon, 80% of the city was submerged by water in places up to 20 feet deep. Thousands of people were stranded. Many headed to the Superdome for temporary refuge. The desperately needed transportation didn't arrive quickly enough. And as more people were rescued, the numbers in the dome swelled. Conditions quickly deteriorated. The heat was overwhelming and food and water in short supply. As desperate residents broke open shops and warehouses for supplies, police reacted with lethal force. The situation descended into chaos. Finally, after four days, the National Guard arrived, bringing much needed supplies of food, water and medicine to the stranded population in the Superdome. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, should have been coordinating relief, but nothing had been getting through. It caused a national scandal. The scene from New Orleans shook the world. How could such a rich and powerful nation be so ill-prepared to meet the needs of its citizens? And that was a little background information on New Orleans and the tragedy Hurricane Katrina caused New Orleans. Now, I want to hear from some of the New Orleans hurricane survivors, and what better way to hear from them than hear them in an interview on YouTube. The first is called In My Heart, and it is from a little sister, or a little girl who lost her sister during Hurricane Katrina. Her little sister fell from her roof, and drowned. It's a very, very sad story. So let's hear from this little girl who lived during Hurricane Katrina, but ultimately lost her little sister. Very, very sad. Her name of her sister was Shawnee Green, by the way. I really love that house, the house that I grew up in since I was one years old. One years old to six years old. 
and then Hurricane Katrina messed my house up. We come in here to visit New Orleans to see the governor. He shouldn't have did stuff for when we had the hurricane. He shouldn't have had stuff, food, and water. He shouldn't have said, y'all get up out of here. Oh, he couldn't have sent some boats or something. He couldn't have sent some boats, some buses to get out of these people. Yep. Yep. And the president could have. The president could have. It's just right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But he heard all of us. He heard the black people. Some of them black people need food, some water, some houses. And all of these cars, people crying. Huh. People need food, water, and they crying. They crying. My house is smashed out. The tree fell. My house, my own car is up. of them people, they need school. You think they don't want to learn, but all of them John Mack people, they need a path. And we need to be strong, fight to ourselves. And, you see, you don't want to make us mad. And if we're mad, we come out there and we need y'all right now. Thank <laughs> you. 
right, so this next Hurricane Katrina survivor is actually a growing woman adult, and it's about 20 minutes long, but trust me, folks, don't go anywhere. I know I said it's 20 minutes long, but she explains in detail what it was like to live during Hurricane Katrina. I learned a lot from it, and... I think you are as well, and if you are not in New Orleans or Mississippi during the time of Hurricane Katrina, you're going to experience firsthand from her what it was like to be a survivor in Hurricane Katrina. So here it is, folks. I was not born in New Orleans, but uh, it was my home away from home for almost 30 years. And uh, I was living in the Lower Ninth Ward during the storm Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. I had a little shotgun house, and if anyone's familiar with shotguns, you know that back in the day they literally could put a shotgun in the front door and shoot it all the way back out the back door, and that's why they were called shotgun houses. And uh, I was about four blocks from the Industrial Canal on uh, North Claiborne. And I really, to be, I know when I say this, people probably think, that where was this girl's head? But I wouldn't watch the Weather Channel because I didn't want to hear about it. And so I had no clue that it was going to be as bad as it was. I really didn't. And I thought the night we, because we all rode back to the office, and I'm thinking, oh, they got all the people going out of town. So I thought, well, I'm off tomorrow. I'll leave. I had a Suburban, and I had two dogs. One was my personal dog, and the other was a friend of mine. Well, my truck wouldn't start. So I thought, okay, well, we'll we'll weather this hurricane out. I'd gone through Aaron and Opal in Florida in 95. It was two months apart. And I'd gone through Ivan the year before in New Orleans. So it was okay. You know, I thought, we'll be okay. And uh, the power went out at 3.30 the morning before the storm. And I was watching the Weather Channel that night. And um, when I saw that radar coverage, I thought, oh, dear Lord, we are so screwed. <laughs> and I don't know what made me do it, but I put a, a can opener in my purse. And um, and I had a little some dog food on the side. And uh, so about... 5.30, it was daylight. That's Sunday, the 29th? Yes. And um, Sunday night slash Monday morning. And it was about 5.30, and my back, I was in my kitchen, and I looked out, and my backyard had about two feet of water, and I thought, okay. By the time I got to the living room, it was lapping at my front living room. And I said, well, I literally stood there and said, well, Lord, if you're ready to take me home, I'm ready to go, but if not, you're going to give me the tools to survive. Well, obviously, you gave me the tools because I'm here. Needless to say, the next morning when we were all hollering at each other to see if we had made it, uh, I hollered across them. They said they were all fine. Uh, here we are on this porch, and it had uh, the neighbors had iron gates on the porch, on the doors. Well, the front door opened, but the gate wasn't open. My landlord had a pocket knife. Well, the window was right there, so he took the pocket knife and we lifted the window because we had to get in off that. I mean, there was roofs fly, flying, 
10 pieces of houses but so we I got the dogs in and then I we helped everybody else get in and I was the next to last one to go cuz I'm a pretty good sized girl and so one of the men helped me and I grabbed her hold and got up and so we went in and the gas in the water was still on so I boiled pots of water cuz I knew the water was going to be contaminated and then we cooked up everything that we could because you knew it was going to go bad. And and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I took a shower because I had no idea how long it was going to be before we were going to. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to have a shower. And so the next morning, everybody was kind of real, you know, very, they were very afraid. And I understand that. And very, and you know, fear brings out a lot of different emotions in people. So I said, well, I'm going to go and see what we can I can find out. And I got a broom, and and I walked down the middle of the street because your sides of your streets are always lower than your middle. And so the broom I used as a, as a stick, as a gauge, exactly, to see that I wouldn't drop into the manholes and the sewers. So I ran, ran into a young man that worked with me for the, bank, the um, catering company that we worked for. So we started, we went down each block, and then we'd holler out and see if anybody was around that needed help. So we'd get about within two blocks of the, of the Claiborne overpass, and uh, we hear this breaking of glass, and this thing comes out through the garage windows, and I'm thinking, oh, dear God, it's a shock. <laughs> and what it was was a broom handle, and somebody had, was trying to get out. So the young man that I was with, uh, he was tall, real tall. And uh, he made it over, and i never forget the house right next to it. The guy was out on his porch. He was smoking a cigarette, and I said, oh, please tell me you have a cigarette. And he said, yes, so while the young man was getting them out, I had a cigarette. <laughs> I needed one. So I needed, I wanted it, and I was going to do it. So it was a young lady and a young man, a married couple. She's so sweet. So afraid of water. So I told her, I said, well, you grab onto my shoulder, and we're going to walk up the middle of this street, I've got this broom, this is our gauge, and I said, we're going to make it to that overpass. She was so scared. And so we got up there. Well, there's a few people up there. So the young man told me, he said, well, you know, my two aunties are two blocks from the Industrial Canal. And I said, well, we're going to have to find a boat of some sort. So we found a boat, but it, of course the motor wouldn't work, but that's okay. So he says, okay. You get up in the boat, and I'll t- we'll, I'll pull you to the house. Then we'll get everybody in. I said, okay, and then I'll get out, and we'll help guide the boat back. Because you could still walk, but it was the water was up to here. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I'm pretty tall, so it was right. It was up to here on me. Yeah, right here in my throat. So. Uh, we go and get the two elderly ladies. They had piled mattresses up on top of each other and spent the night of the storm and the day of the storm on those mattresses. Well, they had a son that was autistic. 
So on the way back, I t- was telling him, I said, now you hang on to my shoulder and put one hand on the boat, and we're going to walk it back. Well, he was so good. Oh, gosh, he was so good. So we got back. We stopped by my house. I got my dogs out of that second story, and I had um, the one or two containers of bottled water that I got. We put in the boat, and we got back up on the overpass. Well, we get up there, and there's a few more people, and there's this black tarpaulin, like a plastic tarpaulin, real big, and had like, this is what I always say, this is just amazing to me, had like two-by-twos on each end of it. So the men stretched it across. It was a two-lane bridge over a stone bridge. So they stretched it across. I went back down to um, a yard and brought up lawn chairs for the older people because we were getting quite a few older people. We had one little infant, and we sent her, them to the school over on St. Claude because, I mean, that baby was so dehydrated. I think about her. She didn't look good. I always hoped she made it. So, no, we didn't have a lot of children. So, we kind of, you know, we just kind of got up there and got our minds together and whatever else we had to do. That was a Monday. Well, that Tuesday, you started seeing the helicopters. And I remembered from somewhere... About doing um, when you need to be rescued, you do the cross on your shoulder. And I was waving it, and the young man that helped me that we went after his aunties. Um, so he comes running up, <laughs> Miss Mary, Miss Mary. He says they see us. I said, How can you tell? I can't see them. And they would let him know that they knew we were there and we needed assistance. Finally, in the long run, figured out. They did land the National Guard helicopters on that two-lane overpass, and um, they were they, those pilots were fabulous. And then it became more or less an unofficial staging area for the folks from the lower nine. We were right there at the Industrial Canal. Folks that were coming through was taking the North Clay Burn overpass, and they were either going to the convention center or the Superdome. And the ones that didn't, what the National Guard did was they ended up by that Thursday dropping us more supplies, water and the MREs, because we were passing these out as folks were coming through. They could either stamp there with us or they could go on and do wherever they were going to go. And um, so the that Tuesday, was that that Tuesday? That afternoon after the storm... I decided I was going to go and walk over to the 8th District, which is the police station in the French Quarter. When I walked up to the gates, it's all wrought iron gates and fence around the 8th District. They had handcuffs on the gates as padlocked. So I ran into three officers, and I I said, well, I said, we're located on the North Claiborne Overpass. So I said, if you all got a pen and paper, I can write down these... uh, no, I had already written down different names and, and ages and health conditions of the older people. So I gave them to them. I don't know if they ever got anything. But eventually the National Guard did start landing, and they did start pe- picking people up. And we did have one Coast Guard rescue, but that did not 
go very well at all. The young lady that was so scared of the water, um, they were raising her up with a harness, and they dropped her. You know, they landed finally, the, the, or the Coast Guard did. So they didn't take the husband with him, and they didn't ask him his name or her name. They just left, and I was talking to him afterwards. We were all sitting around. And I said to him, I said, we we are in really bad shape. I mean, these people don't even ask names, you know. And we had been told that Orleans Parish had ordered 50,000 body bags. Now, you know, people, they say there wasn't that many passed, but you've got to understand New Orleans is a very transient city. No names. People that you would, you know, normally you walk down the street, you see someone homeless, you're going to turn your face. You turn your eyes away. Well, we were all homeless. You know, we were all, and they loved, they called us refugees. And that's one thing I have absolute, uttermost uh, admiration for General Honoré. I love that man. He came in there, cigar smoking, cussing up, left one side down the other, and told him, take these guns off these New Orleans residents. These are this people's home. And I admired him greatly. He was the one that got out of the uh, the Hummer and helped that woman with those babies. Oh, yeah, you remember. Fine Creole-looking man, honey. Whoa. <laughs> yes, indeed, fine-looking man. Anyway, um, and I had been bitten by brown recluse spiders. So my, my leg was pretty bad shape. And so one of the things that one of the newspapers did when I got back to civilization they had taken photographs of blacks, and it was looting when blacks were taking. When the whites were photographed, they were confiscating. So, <laughs> of course. So I wasn't able to really, I didn't spend a lot of time in the water after the the storm because I, my leg was so bad with infection. And so they, we had a local Win Dixie up the up the street a few blocks, and um, so they asked me. They said, "Well, Miss Mary, what do you need?" I said, "Well, bring us back Clorox bleach," because my mother was an RN and she had taught me how to make Dakins. Dakins is a very it's Clorox and sterile water. You'll pay three hundred dollars a bottle in a hospital, but that's all Dakins is, and it's a healing agent. It's what you use to pack wounds. Well, there was a a, a linen truck was fresh linens had floated up to the base of the overpass, had napkins. We used the napkins for bandages and the tablecloths for bedding. Oh, yeah, we laughed. The tools, he didn't take me, but he he gave us the tools to survive. One man had jerry-rigged a bathroom for us that we could have use facilities and to clean up, you know, um, my first time of cleaning my leg, I cleaned it with a bottle of vodka. I saved some for a good swig for me. Trust me, I didn't have, I think I had some Benadryl that I was passing out, but I didn't have any, anything, nothing. Someone had a radio on the overpass. And uh, we could listen to it in the morning and in the evening because of the batteries. So we had heard on that Tuesday, I think it was, that the water was going to rise, and we're going, well, why is the water going to rise? The, the, 
you know, the sun's shining, it, you know, and the storm was over with, and this was the Tuesday after Katrina. So that night, that Wednesday night slash Tuesday, you know, it was Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, we were all pretty much up. None of us really slept. And I think I had walked my dogs down to the over end of the overpass and then back up, and I was smoking a cigarette, of course. And all of a sudden, we hear this gigantic boom. Well, it came from over around where, um, like the naval shipyards are. There's the navy. There's a navy base down there, because right across from us, you could see the big church with the belfry, and who um, was the, and of course the river. So, the next morning, they tell us over that we hear over the radio that a, a a barge had broken loose and had slammed into the wharf. Hey, I grew up on the river. I know the sound of a of a barge hitting a wharf and an explosion. So I know a lot of people say that that we imagined it and whatever, but I was there, you know, I experienced it. Anyway, uh I was getting in pretty bad shape. I'd been dehydrated and sunburned. And I wouldn't leave my dogs. And uh, there was, I think they were Texas Rangers. And we were sitting underneath the tarpaulin. This was pretty much like on a Saturday or a Sunday, I think. Maybe it was Labor Day. And uh, we were sitting there and they came up. They had their hands on their guns. And I told everybody, I said, just be cool. They're going to come up here and see if we need help. And I was changing my bandage, which I probably shouldn't have, but. They told me, they said, ma'am, you need to come. And I said, I'm not leaving my dogs. Well, they didn't draw down on me. I give them that. But it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I never looked back. So anyway, I was very blessed to have a friend because nothing worked. None of my cards worked. I had a friend in Chicago that sent me, got me an airline ticket. And I flew into Midway. And I, they said, you want to go to the hospital tonight? I said, no. And uh, I said, next morning. So we called the 311 in Chicago, and not 911. I didn't want a big mess, you know. I, I just wanted quiet. So they took me to uh, Trinity Advocate in South Chicago. I love that. Oh, that was the greatest hospital. I was their first Katrina patient in the ER. So needless to say, I had MRSA, and my leg was pretty bad. So they admitted me. Now, these people did not know me from Adam. I had two different pairs of shoes on. My feet were so small. Oh, I looked like the last ragamuffin. Charles Dickens couldn't have done a better description. But so I get in there, and they I was downstairs several hours. They were running tests, drawing blood, yada, yada, yada. So finally I get up in a room, and... uh, I had the room to myself because I did have MRSA. So I figured I would when they did the swab. I, you know, I, please. I, even though I put garbage bags around my legs, I knew it wasn't going to be a good outcome. And uh, here comes all these nurses with these beautiful flowers and an envelope with over $200 in it for me. Girl, I just bawled. Oh. So, and I'm sure you all want to know about the dogs. <laughs> I got my boxer back. 
she was microchipped, but she spent four weeks in that. And October the 1st, this wonderful woman from Kentucky found her, her and her husband. And she was rescued by a thoroughbred owner, horse farm owner in Lexington, Kentucky. I said, well, you go, my baby. And um, But I lost her in 07 to cancer. She was almost 12. But my friend's dog was, um, I got mine back the 20th of October of 05. And my friend that had been on vacation got hers back the week of Thanksgiving of 05. So at least I did get her back. So, and here I am. I have a few more things, but that's enough. Don't you think that's enough? I've never done, I've never done this before, so. But y'all were very nice. That's, you're welcome. How sad was that? But it was actually pretty good to hear, in a way, what it was like to live during Hurricane Katrina. And I'm actually sad she did lose her dog to cancer. But I'm glad that she was able to get her dog back alive for a couple more years. And it was pretty good to hear from some of the survivors of Hurricane Katrina. I feel that it's going to add some extra voices to this show because I cannot explain what it's like to live during Hurricane Katrina because I did not live during Hurricane Katrina. I did not experience firsthand what it was like to be in Hurricane Katrina. So uh, I think that's going to add some first-person view to this show. All right, right now, I would like to take a moment of silence for all the victims who passed away in Hurricane Katrina, all the pets who passed away in Hurricane Katrina, because let's face it, a lot of people are going to focus on all the people that died, but a lot of animals, dogs, cats, and other pets passed away in Hurricane Katrina, too. So I want to take a moment to, to honor all the people and pets that passed away during Hurricane Katrina. So if you will, all my listeners, please join me in a quick moment of silence for everyone who passed away or who is currently missing from Hurricane Katrina. All right. Thank you, everybody, for that. Well, I think it's time for our intermission for the show. Each show we're going to have an intermission. So coming up next here on... American Tragedy. We're going to talk about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina for the United States of America. Plus, I want to talk to you about what to do if a storm, like a hurricane, is coming your way. And then I'll talk to you about what to learn from Hurricane Katrina. All that and much more is coming up next, right after this intermission. And... During this intermission, I'm going to play a song that I think fits Hurricane Katrina because I watched a lot of Hurricane Katrina videos on YouTube, and this was the song that was featured in it, and it was featured in all the videos on YouTube dedicated to Hurricane Katrina, and I think this song fits Hurricane Katrina, and the name of the song is Listen to Your Heart. We're going to hear this song, and then we're going to play all of our commercials that have to deal with our intermission. We're back with more Hurricane Katrina talk after this. Mm-hmm. 
Jackie will help you advertise your goods and help you spread the word. I, Alice Cardinelli, have personally been great friends with Miss Jackie Wilkes, and she has a very kind heart, and she is a very sweet lady, and she will definitely help you grow like she has helped Alice Cardinelli grow. To advertise and promote your business or anything you want to advertise, please like and check out the page, Jackie's Help and Advice for Promoting on Facebook. What do you, the listeners, think of today's show so far? Are you enjoying it? If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns about our show, please feel free to contact us at American Variety Network at Outlook.com. That's American Variety Network at Outlook.com. If you'd like to offer your thoughts and feedback on any of our shows, we'd appreciate any of your thoughts and opinions. Have a nice day and enjoy the rest of the show. What do you, the listeners, think of today's show so far? Are you enjoying it? If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns about our show, please feel free to contact us at American Variety Network at Outlook.com. That's American Variety Network at Outlook.com. If you'd like to offer your thoughts and feedback on any of our shows, we'd appreciate any of your thoughts and opinions. Have a nice day and enjoy the rest of the show. While you're here listening to this show on Blog Talk Radio, feel free to check out some of the other great shows Blog Talk Radio has to offer. There are shows for everyone, whether it be sports shows, politics shows, comedy shows, talk shows, and yes, even church religious shows. Become a loyal listener of Blog Talk Radio. Today, blogtalkradio.com. Are you ready for a talk show that is brave enough to talk about anything and everything, even if it's controversial? Are you ready for a talk show where anything goes and we will say anything that we want? Well, then you're listening to the right talk show. You are tuned in to In Your Face Talk Show. With your host, the crazy Italian-American AC. You can expect to hear the unexpected. Laugh at what is said, or you may scream. Either case, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's get in your face with this great talk show. You're listening to the American Variety Network. Your only place for variety on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second episode of American Tragedy here on In Your Face Talk Show. Tonight, I am talking about Hurricane Katrina 
And before commercial break, I was discussing the impact Hurricane Katrina caused. And we heard from two of the Hurricane Katrina survivors. And in a minute here, we're going to talk about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And we'll talk about what to do if a storm is coming your way and what to learn from this. I really hope you, my listeners, are really enjoying this great show. So let's talk about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It had several impacts, and the first impact it had was on the economy. Hurricane Katrina had a huge economic impact. That's right, Hurricane Katrina played a huge role on the economy afterwards. Now, the Bush administration sought $105 billion for repairs and reconstruction of the states that were impacted. Now, they actually at first wanted $105 billion, but it turns out that $105 billion would not be enough as there was significant damage to the oil supply, the Gulf Coast Highway infrastructure, and more. Believe it or not, Hurricane Katrina damaged or destroyed more than 30 oil platforms and that forced nine or more refineries to close. Now, in my opinion, in my research, it is estimated that the total economic impact in Louisiana and Mississippi may eventually exceed $150 billion. Now, hundreds of thousands of residents in states affected by the impact of Katrina were left unemployed with no income coming in. So it primarily affects American citizens. It affected American citizens for a year or so because they were left homeless. They could not afford to buy houses. So a lot of these people had to rent from their family members or some of their family members had to let them in to their houses until they could find work. So Hurricane Katrina did have a huge impact on the economy of the United States of America. But it also had a huge impact on environmental as well. Really, really did have huge environmental impact because it had beach erosion, which means the beach started to decay and really was not a good thing for the United States of America. Lands were lost during the storm, and the lands that were lost were breeding grounds for many animals, including marine mammals, brown pelicans, turtles, and fish, as well as migratory species such as red-headed ducks. Also, the storm caused many oil spills in which over 7 million United States gallons of oil was being leaked. Most were contained on a site, though a lot did enter the ecosystem and residential areas. Now get this, folks. The floodwaters that covered New Orleans were pumped into Lake Pontecheriton, a process that took 43 days to complete. These residual waters contained a mix of raw sewage, bacteria, heavy metals, pesticides, 
toxic chemicals, and oil, which sparked fears in the scientific community of massive numbers of fish dying. And that was for my research. I actually copied and pasted that onto my show notes for today. So if I, if I mispronounced that name of that lake, I do apologize for that. So that is the aftermath of the storm. But the United States had help from other countries in the international response. Several countries sent in money to help. And some even donated food, they donated their army, they donated their doctors, etc., to help the United States of America after Hurricane Katrina. Now, several countries sent in $100 million, but others sent in $1 million to $7 million. Oh, excuse me. I was confused there. I was uh, uh, doing some wrong research. Actually, truthfully... Uh, some countries sent in ranging from $1 million to $7 million was sent from other countries to the USA. I don't understand where I saw $100 million. Anyways, most countries sent in $1 million to $7 million. And that is the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Right now, I want to talk about what to do before a big storm, and during a big storm. So if a big storm is predicted to be bad and they tell you to seek shelter or evacuate, follow the orders of the weatherman. Do not sit there and say, oh, the storm's going to pass. It's not going to be as big as the weatherman predicts. Don't be one of those people because chances are, if you're one of those people, you're going to be one of those people that are dead. Sad to say, I really did not want to say that, but if you were smart and you knew there was a big storm coming, chances are the weatherman is not lying. So if the weatherman says there's going to be a very unsafe and big storm, evacuate or seek higher shelter to save your life. Like I said, seek shelter in higher grounds before the storm takes place. If you live in New Orleans or one of these places that has a tendency to flood, try leaving the state or go to a high-rise building, like a high hotel, so that you will be higher above the ground. Also, do not exit the house. If it is flooding outside, don't exit. There is high rains outside. Do not exit the house for any reason. All right? What can we learn from this? What to learn from this tragedy? Well, the first thing I learned is that a natural thing, a natural disaster can happen at any moment. That's right. Within the blink of an eye, we can have a tornado or a hurricane. All right? I experienced that firsthand because Springfield, Massachusetts had a tornado on June 1st, 2011. It was not a tragic one. It was a very small one. But we experienced a tornado out of the blue. And we did not have any warnings. So if it was a hurricane, a lot of sprinkle residents would have died because they had not been warned. But any storm you think could just be wind and rain can turn into a devastating hurricane, which is true. So do not take warnings lightly or do not ignore warnings. Now, 
the next thing I learned from this tragedy, and I know you guys are going to learn as well, as we heard from that 20-minute interview from that survivor of Hurricane Katrina, even in tragedy, people are kind. During Katrina, other countries helped out the United States of America by donating money and stuff, and some citizens even risked their own lives to save others and pet life. So, even in tragedies, people are kind. So, that is everything I expect you to learn from this tragedy. And how can we be safe in a hurricane? Well, if you get warned that a hurricane is coming to your city or your state or your country, make sure you are well prepared and make sure if it's a big hurricane, you know that you should leave your state. All right, well, I hope I did good on this show. I hope this is a good show. Uh, I did my best. I hope I did well, and I hope you guys enjoyed this show. But this show, believe it or not, took me two full days to research and come up with material for this show. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. And it really did take me two full days to research for, so I hope you enjoyed it. And that's going to do it for us tonight here on the American Variety Network. I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's tragedy show and learned a lot about Hurricane Katrina and will uh, hopefully move on from this. It has now been two years, or excuse me, not two years. It has now been ten years, and uh, it's still a very sad tragedy. But I'm done talking about Hurricane Katrina. I'm going to move on and focus on another tragedy. I'd like to say rest in peace to all a thousand or more people who passed away. Very, very sad tragedy. And hopefully the United States will never, ever see a hurricane as bad as Katrina again. All right. Tomorrow we're actually going to do that Six Flags New Orleans show that I talked about. Uh, so we're actually going to do it sooner than expected. I want to do it tomorrow. I have all my research done. So we're going to do that show tomorrow. Tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on American Variety Network, blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network, we're going to do the Six Flags New Orleans show. So come find out the history of Six Flags New Orleans as it transformed from Jazzland to Six Flags New Orleans live tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on American Variety Network, we're going to talk about perhaps the worst tragedy to ever strike America. Yes, that's right. Next week, we're going to talk about 9-11. And boy, that's going to strike a chord with a lot of American citizens. But I think it is the worst tragedy to ever strike. So join me next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern as I talk about 9-11. This has been Property of the In Your Face Talk Show and the American Variety Network, owned and operated by Alice Cardinelli. And I want to thank you for tuning into this great show. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday for our next episode of Tragedies in America. I'm Alice Cardinelli, and thank you for listening to the In Your Face Talk Show on American Variety Network. Share this show with your friends. And I really appreciate you listening to the show. I'm out of here, everyone. Good night.
Happy Halloween from Alex Cardinali and all of us here at the American Variety Network. We hope that your month is full of tricks and treats as well as plenty of scariness. Don't forget to enjoy some delicious candy this Halloween season. The American Variety Network suggests Reese's, Kit Kat, Snickers, and some Oreos for delicious Halloween treats. Make sure you have your candy ready for trick or treating. Happy Halloween! <laughs>